Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. But anyway, Mike came to my house. He was passing through out the ranch at Kainosa, and we were sitting there talking about San Pedro stuff, about different pastures and, and stuff like that. And he told me, he said, you know what, man, one time, he said, I was a little bit too old to be riding Bronx, but I, you know, just kind of feeling froggy that morning. I went out there, and I got on this horse, and he said, we was going through the pasture, and we was getting along pretty good. And all of a sudden, uh, this cow started running off, so I started chasing her, and she was going down this fence line, so I was coming across like this to cut her off, and everything, she ducked behind, and I just kind of whooped that horse around like he was my good horse. And he said, that horse bucked me off and piled me up in a wad right there up against the H-brace. I was like, ah, he said, yeah, man. He said, dude, he said, it felt like three of these ribs were right here. And he said, my old back was hurting. He said, I don't think anything was broke, but he said, man, he said, I was balled up in knots. He said, he said, it hurt to stand. It hurt to breathe. It hurt to smile. It hurt to frown. It hurt to fart. I mean, this guy was plumb tore up now. I mean, he couldn't do nothing. And so some of the, the, you know, down there, it's right on the border of Mexico. And, um, you've heard me talk about Tomas Zeferino and, uh, and Antonio. They were from Musquis, Mexico. So a lot of these guys, man, best cowboys I've ever been around. Bar none. Best cowboys ever. And so they got to telling him, they was like, Hey, Mikey, you go down and see Pedro. He said, who? He said, you go see Pedro. He said, who's Pedro? He said, man, he get you fixed up just good, man. He gets you fixed up good, and he's like, nah. And he, you know, he didn't want to go to the doctor because he didn't think anything was broken or anything, but, man, he was, he was feeling tore up. And so finally, after a couple of days, he goes, man, where's this Pedro at? And they gave him the address there in town, and so he goes out there, and uh, he knocks on this trailer house door, and this guy opens the door about this way, and he goes, see? He said, you Pedro? See? He said, Man, I, I got bucked off a horse, and I'm feeling pretty bad. He said, see? He said, can you fix me? He said, see? <laughs> he said, how much you charge me for that? He goes, $25. <laughs> so Mike said, I nearly turned around and walked off. He said, but man, he said, I, I was feeling poorly. So anyway, he opened up the door, and he went in there, and the guy told him, he said, lay down. He said, where? He said, right there in the floor. So Mike said, on my stomach or on my back? I don't care. You know, so Mike got down there, and he said this dude went to doing things. He said he put, put a rock in his mouth and twisted his arm around, and he was doing all this funky stuff, right? And Mike said, man, I wanted to leave real bad because I was real uncomfortable. He said, have you ever been stuck between a rock and a hard place? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I felt like that. He said, he went to doing some stuff, and he said, you know, but when I started kind of relaxing, because I kind of started feeling better, and he said, you're going to think I'm joking, but he said, I think I had three separated ribs, because he grabbed my ribs, and he said, bite down on the rock. And he said, he put my elbow in there and twisted my ear and went, ugh. He said, I heard about four things pop. He peed. But boy, he felt better. He felt better. And so anyway, Pedro works on him for like an hour, and he said, okay, you can get up now. 
Mike said, I got up and he said, I ain't felt that good in like 20 years. He said, Dad, go on, Pedro. Where'd you learn to do that? He said, working on dogs. <laughs> he said, working on dogs. He said, yeah, that's where you start in Mexico. They don't let you work on men first. If you make the dogs feel better, then they let you work on the horses. If you make the horses feel better, then they let you work on the kids. If the kids die, they don't let you work on the men. <sighs> so Mike goes home, and man, the, all, all, the, all the hands are like, hey, man, how do you feel? Mike's like, I feel good. He said, yeah, Pedro, man, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. And he said, yeah, man, he is. And so Mike said, Honestly, he said, I don't know what that man did, but he did something. He said, I, I felt 20 years younger. He said, I felt so good. He said, and it didn't just last that day. He said, a week later, I was still feeling good. I got to feeling so good, I got back on that horse, and I was going to show him what's for. He said, Pedro doesn't do anything for your bronc riding skills. That horse piled him up next to a water trough this time. He said, I didn't even wait to catch my horse. I went and got my truck and was hauling but the Pedro's. He said, my head was like this. And he said, I couldn't feel my left arm. And he said, it's hard to shift and drive with one arm. He said, I got to Pedro's and I knocked on the door. And Pedro opened the door this wide and went, see. He said, hey, Pedro, it's me. He said, see. He said, I need your help. He goes, see? <laughs> he said, Pedro, I done got back on that bronc, and I don't want to hear it. I know I'm too old to be doing that. And he said, I'll never forget what Pedro said. He said, I'm here to fix you. Not to point fingers at your stupidity. <laughs> Man, what an awesome concept, is it not? Man, why couldn't more of us be like Pedro, you know? Just be willing to help. Not sit there and, and chastise or condemn or anything like that. And in John chapter 3, John chapter 3 is one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known Bible verses. You've seen it painted on Tim Tebow's eyeballs. You've seen it held up at football stadiums. Even atheists can nearly quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the, the cool thing is what a lot of people don't realize is that's Jesus talking. It's Jesus talking. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or any of the other guys, you know, it wasn't Paul, it wasn't Barnabas. It's Jesus himself. He said, for my dad loved y'all so much that he sent me his only son and that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that an amazing verse? I heard Billy Graham one time, one of the greatest preachers of the modern era, say that he never preached anything except John 3.16. I don't think you could ever get tired of it. Nearly everything is summed up in that. But there are some things that just have to go together. They seem incomplete. I mean, we know John 3.16. But I feel that it's incomplete if you don't throw something else in there with it. 
you know, some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. What's a bridle without a set of reins? What's a spur without a spur strap? What's morning without coffee? What's Friday the 13th without shaved llamas? What's Miley Cyrus and the dad that needs to put him, put her over his knee and wear her butt out? Some things just need to go together. Anyways, John 3.16 is great, wonderful, fantastic, and amazing. But I feel that it is incomplete without verse 17. Let me put it all together. For God so loved the world. Picture Jesus saying this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now we're into 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Wow. And that gives me chills. He didn't come to point out and go, you're doing this wrong and you're just sorry and you're not this, you're not that. He came and he said, I love you just like you are and I'm here to save you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it through him. Man, God loves you. God loves you. Jesus didn't come to point out your faults. He came to save your sorry hides. Jesus didn't come to show you what you did wrong. He came to show you what is right. Jesus didn't come here to explain how you got into the wire. Does anybody else have a horse like that? That there can be a piece of wire this long in a million-acre pasture, and you're going to have that one horse that gets it strung through one eyeball and out of his nostril? I had a horse like that. We Down at Kynosa, there was a, a draw that run through there, and it was the main outlet to the Pecos River from the Glass Mountains near, uh, near Alpine. And um, this thing's about to drive me insane. Uh, and so every time it would wash through there, it'd only come through about 150,000 ranches, so it'd bring all this barbed wire and everything. And you always knew the horses that were used to it because they never got in the wire. They could step through a roll of wire and not touch it. They was ninjas. But you turn a horse out that ain't never been around wire, and they would come back, they'd be dragging half a roll with them and a T-post, and you're like, good grief, can you not stay out of the wire? Well, I think that's what God says to us. He didn't come to, to sit there and, well, you got into the wire by doing this and doing this, and you're stupid. He's like Pedro. He said, I, didn't, I came to fix you. I came to help you. I came to make you well. I came to set you free. Not sit there and talk down to you how you got in the wire. I'm here to help you get out of it. You ready to unleash God's promises on your life? We talked about how God's promised to answer your prayers. We talked about how God has a plan for you, a good plan, plan for prosperous. It's a promise. And yet, most of us hear the promise and go, yeah, okay, that may be good for some people, but that ain't good for me. Your power can work great miracles through other people, Jesus, but you know what? I'm afraid you ain't big enough to work in me. 
And some people walk away from that promise. God said that he wanted you to be happy. And you know, there's a lot of people that are just flat miserable. Just miserable. Miserable Christians. Hate them. I mean, I I love them, but I mean, come on. If you believe Jesus enough to know that he died for you, can't you believe that, that he loved you enough to make you happy? Or maybe he ain't big enough for that. He ain't big enough to trust with those problems that you've got going on. We talked about the storms and thorns of life, of how Jesus can calm any storm, and even if he doesn't calm the storm, maybe you got a thorn in your side. Jesus said, you know what? My power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said, I will, I will gladly, because, my, because God's power is made perfect in weakness, I'll rejoice in my suffering. For I know the weaker I am, that's when God is all the more stronger. You tough enough to become weak for God, to just say, you know what, God, I'm just going to lay here. I'm going to let you handle everything. Are you going to be like that bronc with his foot tied up that just won't ever get it? Won't ever get it. We had a horse that got West Nile out there at Kainosa. And, um, you know, sometimes it'll go forward and sometimes it'll go back. Well, it went forward and it gave him double vision. And he had a cocklebur stuck down in his ear. And he was a good horse. He's a good heel horse, good ranch horse. His name was Henri, and he was, was for a reason. He was aptly named. Well, we were trying, you know, we didn't have no butte or ace or anything like that. We were just going to go up there. You know, you reach up there, but, you know, it looked like you were going like this to him when you just reach up there. We finally had to lay him down, and he fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. You know, we were just trying to help him. That's all we were trying to do make him better. And that's the way a lot of us have been most of our lives. We know God wants to help us, but boy, whenever he lays us down, we go to fighting and kicking and screaming and gnashing with our teeth against the very one that tried to help us. You ready to unleash God's promise to set you free from the wire? You can do that today. It's it's really pretty simple. It really is. On the same ranch, Mike was still the the uh, the ranch manager down there, and and some kinfolk of the owners come down, and um, anyway, this one kid he wanted to be a cowboy, and he could ride and everything. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't no greenhorn or anything, but he wasn't necessarily a cowboy either. And so he spent some days working with the cowboys, and I think he was like fourteen or fifteen years old, something like that, and everything, and. So anyway, he was kind of down for the summer, and the ranch owner had to go out of town, and he told him, he said, you watch after my kin right there. I don't remember what, he's a nephew or something like that. I don't remember. And Mike was like, yeah. And so, you know, the owner's out of town. His family's there. You know, it's just Mike and the, and the, and the little kid, and, or the young boy, and all of this stuff. Well, Mike had to go to the sale about two hours away to the cow sale. And the kid had asked, he said, can I go move, uh, move those steers with him? He's like, yeah, you know, ride your good horse and everything like that. And Mike's at the cell, and that guy's up there, and he's they stop and say, Mike McMurray, you've got a call on line one. Please go to the office. Mike's like, this is before cell phones. Cell phones hadn't been around forever, kids. <laughs> I don't remember it, but uh, this is Mike's story, not mine. And so Mike goes, and he picks up the phone, and he says, hello? <laughs> and one of, the, one of the cowboys says, hey, Mikey. He's like, hey, Waddy. He said, the horse fell and broke the kid's leg. He said, do what? And he said, yeah, the horse was going along by the, 
by the cement trough and it stepped and it slipped and it fell on the cement and broke the kid's leg in half. He's like, well, oh my gosh, what are you calling me for? He said, take the kid to the emergency room. He said, no, we took him to Pedro's. <laughs> he said, man, he's not, his back isn't out of alignment. His, are you sure his leg was broke? He said, oh yeah, it was broke real bad. He said, well, why did you take him to Pedro's? He said, because Pedro's pretty good. He said, I don't care what you're doing. You drop everything right now. You go get that boy and you get him to the emergency room. Ahora, now. Okay, Mikey, but Pedro's pretty, I don't hear it. So he hangs up the phone. Well, before he hangs up, he's like, you call me back as soon as you get to the hospital. Okay. So he hangs up the phone, and I mean, he's nervous. You know, and isn't that Murphy's Law? Just as soon as everybody leaves and everything, things just go to crap, right? <laughs> and so about, you know, 45 minutes later, the phone rings at the cell, and the lady answers it. She's like, yeah, hang on. She holds it out to Mike, and Mike grabs it, and he's like, he's like, man, how is he? Oh, he's doing good, man, he's doing good. He said, what did the emergency room say? They said, Pedro's pretty good. That's a true story. They x-rayed his leg, and he had set it perfect and put a little homemade little cast on it and everything like that. And Pedro's pretty good. We're going to try to get Pedro's number up here. We don't need Obamacare. We need Pedro care. In Mark chapter 2, we find Jesus eating at the home of one of his new disciples. And this guy's a cowboy. Now, the Bible doesn't come right out and tell you that this newest disciple is a cowboy. And maybe I'm reading more into it or anything, but the guy's name is Levi. I mean, come on. Come on. He's got to be a cowboy. And the reason I know he's a cowboy is because he's a sinner. Aren't we all? In some form or fashion. Some of us are getting better. Some of us are getting worse, but we're all sinners nonetheless. In Mark chapter 2, we find Jesus eating at the home of his new disciple, Levi, and Levi's a tax collector. Levi's friends show up for the party. I mean, you know, Levi's going to have a party, right? He done told all his amigos, hey, man, we're going to be barbecuing a goat tonight, or, you know, y'all bring the beer, come on over, and man, if Jesus didn't show up between then. Jesus looks down and tells Levi, he's like, come on, come with me. I'm going to change your life. Levi, now he ain't no dummy. Cowboys ain't dummy. He sees the truth in what Jesus says. He says, all right. So he leaves the tax collector's booth right then. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no let, let me put this away right quick, nothing. He just, Jesus tells him to come on and he just comes on. And so Jesus says, well, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. And I'm sure Levi's like, well, uh, whew, I don't know how to say this, but uh, I got some friends coming over, and whew, these guys rock. Jesus like, that's all right. I'd love to meet them. All right, then. So Jesus goes, man, they're having a party, man. There's all sorts of kinds of people over there. You know those kinds of people we are? Some of us still are. Levi's friends show up for the party, and they're far from saints. They're liars, swindlers, drunks, druggies, harlots, and swingers. 
There's all types there at this party, and Jesus, he don't care, man. He's right there among them. I can, I can see him now. Somebody walks in, and Levi says, hey, this is a Christ. He's like, yeah, I'm Jesus. How are you? He didn't come in there and, you know, jump on people and start beating them up or anything like that or preaching at them. He just sat there and ate with them. Well, the religious people, they see what's happening, and boy, they go to pointing that finger, don't they? Why is your master? they talking to some other the cowboys that goes with Jesus. They say, how come your master's in there eating with all them sorry people? Jesus, here's what, here's what they said. And, you know, here's a question. Let's put it into perspective. You know, there's a bar right next to Patty Ann's over there in Kiowa. Now, I'm not asking you what you would say, but what if some of the religious institution walked by there and saw the cowboy preacher in there having a beer with some of those people? What do you think would be said? I would hope that they would rejoice, but I promise you they probably wouldn't, no more than the Pharisees did whenever they was with Jesus, or whenever they were shaking their finger at Jesus. Jesus didn't come so that we could have church. See, Jesus said, the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. Wow. Jesus said, I didn't come to make healthy people well. I came to make the sick people well. You know, when, when, when me and Ty and Jared, when we go out to doctor cattle, I mean, there's sometimes that you give something to everybody. But, you know, you don't, you don't give that high-priced antibiotic to the ones that are well. You give it to the ones that are sick. You don't go putting patches over all the, all the uh, critters' eyes, just the ones that got pink eye. Jesus said, man, I didn't come here to make, to make well people well. I came to make the sick people well. I came for the sinners. And to me, that is a great, great comfort. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I told him, I got down on my hands and knees. No joke. Got down on my hands and knees with my wife holding my hands, and I said, God, I don't know what you'd do with a sorry cowboy like me, but if you'll have me, I'll do what you'd have me do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll go who, where you want me to go, and I'll be who you want me to be. And he did it. Changed my life forever. He wants to change yours. He wants to make you into something you never thought you could be. Remember when that, that little kid version of you had all those dreams and aspirations, making a difference of being somebody, and then somewhere along the line that got lost? Jesus has got a plan for you. He wants to set you free so you can do that. You ain't never going to be able to make it on your own. I promise you, no matter scheming, no matter planning, no matter how much money you got in your account, how big your house is, or how big your living quartered horse trailer is, you will never get to where you want to be without Jesus Christ. Hey, listen up. I know God was really talking to you today. If you'd like to hear the whole story, get online and get it at www.savethecowboy.com. There you will find all you need to get where Jesus wants you to be, no matter how long or little you've been riding with Him. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. Okay, (laughs) maybe just a little bit, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need you to saddle up with us and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. I'm asking you to go to SaveTheCowboy.com and make a donation to help us out. This program was brought to you in part by my good friends Jim and Kelly Gerald of Integrity Auto Repair and Rod and Brenda Denning of Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. 
both from Kyle, Colorado. 